to sitting down the front. When they do this embarrassing, get you out of your comfort zone, come down the front. Well, you're already there, so you can just jig around and look like you did it anyway. So that's an advantage. Amen. 2003. Where was I in 2003, dear? Here. Oh, thank you. I was trying to do the math, but I just couldn't get it. <laughs> I was here somewhere. Yeah. Amen. Great to be here. I want to thank all those that have uh, put aside watching the GAN for a couple of hours to come to church. Who hasn't seen the GAN? You haven't? Well, it's on for 17 hours today, and it started at 8, and you haven't missed anything yet. So rush home and watch a good five minutes of it, and you'll be bored to death. It is the most incredible show that I've ever seen. It's weird. I don't know. I, I, I'm sure the uh, South Australian or Northern Territory Tourism Bureau are shaking in their feet. Such a horrible show. But anyway, so there's plenty more to go. I think it finishes at 10 o'clock in the morning or some... 8.30, is it? Oh, okay. Oh, well, so there's still plenty of time to catch up on the GAN. Boy, oh boy. Anyway. Well, hopefully I'm going to be a bit more exciting than that tonight. Oh, thank you, dear, for your encouragement. <laughs> oh, yeah. A tip, men. Men, how many men here have uh, their wives say cricket is boring? Yeah. Men, turn it over to SBS again and they'll let you play, watch cricket for the rest of your life. Because <laughs> they've gone off to do the ironing. That's how boring the show is. Yeah. All right, I better settle down and get on with what I'm doing, hadn't I? John 10.10, 10. anyone know what that says? What does it say? John 10.10, 10, just to remind my wife, says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to, to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. What a great piece of scripture, don't you reckon? That they would have, who's the they? Us, well done. You're with me. That's good. So life. I went to a funeral some years ago and it wasn't probably about the only sort of real non-Christian funeral I've ever been to where there was, wasn't even a, a clergy of any sort. It was a, I didn't know they had them. You get marriage celebrants, you have funeral celebrants. And probably went for about an hour and it started off and I'm sort of being rather critical about this funeral you know, sitting there listening to it. And then, no, 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 come on, we've got, to, we've got to find something good in this. After an hour, I didn't find anything good out of it. Basically, sum the funeral up, it was you're born, you live, you die, suck it up, those that are still alive, get on with life. Huh? Not a... Not a Oh, I might have missed it. Not a word of encouragement or hope for those that are the grieving families and the friends that are gathered there at all. I think there's more to life than being born, living. You don't get a gold watch at retirement anymore these days, I don't think, and then dying. I'm, I'm thinking that's what Jesus means by abundant life. There's something more than that. I mean... We've been to places, I'm sure we all have, 
whether it's a coffee shop or a town or somewhere where you go, you know, there was just life in that place. It was, you know, it was buzzing. It was an exciting, you know, and no real particular reason. There was just a, a sense, of, you know, a feel of, of life about that place. And, and been to other places and you go, well, I found the entry road. Where's the exit? You know, as soon as you're driven in, you want to get out. And again, for no real reason except one is full of life and one's not. I want to look tonight at something that might help us um, to live that abundant life or, or how we can come to have that abundant life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the giver of life. We thank you for the words just here where your son says that I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Father, I'm sure each of us here desire to have more than just being born to being uh, living and then dying, that we would have that abundant life that Jesus is talking about here. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will minister to each and every one of us as we're here this evening as only you know how to minister to each of us. And we give you all praise and honour in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm glad there's a few faces that weren't here this morning because I can get to share my little story again. When we were in England, we went to a, a little village called Laycock. And uh, it's a touristy sort of thing. And as I said, it's, if you took away a couple of satellite dishes and the the new model cars out of the streets and pulled up the bitumen. Well, basically, it's the same town it probably was in the 1200s, 1400s, 1800s. And just the buildings are still there. They're still the same. And uh, if you've uh, ever watched shows like the BBC's Pride and Prejudice, we just watched that recently, Downton Abbey, Harry Potter movies, you would have seen Laycock. But it's um, probably a bit more disguised. At, uh, but that's, they use that town because it's one of those real quaint little English villages where there's lots of them. But this is a kind of a special one for some reason more than others. So in Laycock there is a building and the building is called a tithe barn. That's an interesting name. So you walk into the building and there's a little sign there that tells you why it's a tithe barn. It's because the barn used to belong to the abbey, which was run by monks. And they owned all the property surrounding the village and, and the abbey. And so the people who worked there, who lived there, they would bring a 10% of their, whatever they, whether they were, had crops or whether they had sheep or made things or whatever they did, they would bring a 10% of that into the tithe barn for the monks. And uh, hence the word, a tithe barn. So, as I said this morning, my imagination sort of ran riot a little bit and I'm thinking, this would have been, I'm sure, a very busy and buzzing sort of a shed where people are coming and going all the time. There'd be people catching up with each other, talking to each other, laughing with each other, whinging about the weather, whinging about the, the king, whoever at the time, what he was doing, whatever. And there would have been sort of a buzz. There would have been life in this shed. But when we were there, it was dead. 
There was nothing in it. Dirt floor, nice ceiling which they'd renewed, but the rest of the building was still what it was when they built it in the 12th century sometime. There was no life in it at all. And uh, so, you, you know, the only life was the tourist who walked in, read the sign and walked out again. That was it. On New Year's Day, I watched a show on the ABC TV called Backroads. And gee, some people get some really good jobs. This lady gets to go all over Australia to little country towns, seeing what makes them tick, interviewing personalities. Stop looking at your watch. You know that show's going to be on till 8 o'clock in the morning. You don't <laughs> <laughs> so I'm only having fun. <laughs> So she goes, as I said, she goes to these little towns around, around Australia and, and finds out what makes them tick because a lot of them have suffered economically for various reasons, you know, droughts, just downturn in economies. The, the, the area that they used to be, if it was a farming area or mining area, that's, you know, it's all collapsed and so once bustling little towns are, are dead. But they've come alive again. And so she's going around looking at these places. And the one that I watched... First was a town in southeast South Australia called Robe, which is about 125 kilometres from where I grew up. And I can remember going to uh, having you know summer holidays at Robe a couple of times. And it certainly wasn't the nice, um, shiny town that it is now. It was a dirty old fishing village with you know rough people and the whole kitten caboodle. And uh, so she's investigating this place. And in Robe, there's a, a place, I can't remember how often it happens, whether it's once a week or whatever, where people bring their produce. So if you, you know, James grows potatoes, he'd bring a bag of potatoes. Sandy makes nice, um, what's that, that uh, the potato bake, best potato bake in the world. She would bring, no, I don't, no you wouldn't get it there because I'd eat it before you got out of the kitchen. But people would bring whatever they do. There was, you know, there's boutique wineries in the area. They'd bring some bottles of wine and all this sort of stuff. And then they'd have a great time and like, oh, gee, uh, you know, I liked uh, Kathleen's Anzac Bickies. I'll have some of those. So you would give and you'd receive. But the whole place, again, was a buzz. It was just lively. There was laughter and there was, you know, people chatting and carrying on. Such a, a contrast to the tithe barn in Laycock. Another town, the next episode was Canounder in central west New South Wales. Coincidentally, another town that I used to live near. <laughs> I don't know why that happened. Canounder is the hot air ballooning capital of Australia. Who knew that? Yeah, all the, all the orangeites, yeah. <laughs> it's a little town and every year balloonists from around the world come to Canounder to do what balloonists do, go up and down and all that sort of stuff. And again, it's one of those small towns that, you know, when we lived there, it was a very quiet little place. They, they used to have the ballooning back then, and uh, but that was sort of once a year. The rest of the year it was dying and people, you know, like a lot of country towns, people leaving and that type of thing. But it also has been rejuvenated. These two towns had something in common. 
the people of the town were givers. In robe, they have accommodation for ex-servicemen and women who are not coping too well with getting back into normal life, whether, you know, depression, all the, all the things that come from uh, post-traumatic um, stress from being in battle and all that type of thing. They, there's no charge for the accommodation. People in the area, you know, the, the winemakers, the cheesemakers, the, the whatever else makers, make up hampers and bring them in to the units where these people are staying with, and these people have their, their families, can, they can have their families with them as well. So they just wanted to do something, and that was their idea. So they give, they give to these people. In Canoundra, there was a young couple who had triplets. That would be exciting. Except, sadly, for the... Well, got to be careful these days how you say these sorts of things. In a sense, sadly, for the couple, all three children had a muscular dystrophy problem. So the kids are now, by the look of them, uh, 10-ish, around that age, by the look of it, and they got these whopping great wheelchairs, electric wheelchairs that they get around town in. So the, a, a lady in, in one of the shops who'd moved from somewhere else, uh, saw them one day and asked them into the shop and said, we just want to help. And so they organised the community and so far they've raised over $300,000 to build a house for these people and they were, during the show, they were up to having the roof and the frame up and the hallways sort of about five metres wide <laughs> so they can have drags up and down the hallway in their wheelchairs, I guess. <laughs> Robe and Canoundra, once sleepy, dying little towns, are now thriving communities, and there's a buzz and a life about them. Now you get the same thing. Who's ever been involved in a working bee? I'll, I'll just check that who hasn't, because we'll have one. <laughs> a working bee of some kind. There's always a, a kind of a, you know, there's a buzz, isn't there? There's a, you're here doing something, and Sandy and I had, we've had the privilege of twice going to Heron Island to pull weeds at a working bee for a week, both times. That's enough to get you excited, going to Heron Island, not paying rent for a week, because that saves you about $10,000. But even so, while we were there, we had a, a combined you know, thought of what we're doing. We're, we're working together, and um, there was just an excitement. Where there was chatting and laughter the whole time, the whole week we were doing it. Both trips were with different groups of people, so you had you know, individual, different individuals. But there's this thing when you're doing something together and you're giving out, there's an excitement, isn't there? When there's a real buzz. And I put it down to that, that life that Jesus is talking about, an abundant life, not just a born, live and die. comes down to people loving what they're doing and giving of themselves. Love is an essential part of giving. The people of Robe and Canoundra are giving what they can out of their love for others. I want to turn to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 about a centurion, a Roman 
From verse 1, it says, Now when he can... Oops, hang on. Yes, sorry. Now when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders to the, of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus... They begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he, he should do this was deserving, for he loves our nation and he has built us a synagogue. There's a miracle in the first place, that a Roman would love the nation of the Jews. So there was love, and out of that love, he built them a synagogue. He gave from his great love that he had for the people. I, I know, we don't really know whether he was some sort of convert to the Jewish God or what I'd say he would probably have to be, <laughs> either that or he's a politician trying to get votes. And I'll go for the first. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> so, but he had this love for this people. And out of that love, he gave to them something they needed. In Luke 21... Go across a bit to Luke 21 and verses 1 to 4. And he looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury and he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God, but she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood she had. Now, if you go back to a couple of verses before that, Jesus is talking about the scribes. And he says, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues and all the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. They devour widows' houses. I wonder if the widow in the next verse has had her house devoured by the above. And yet here she was, putting on all that she had. I've always had this picture of this widow being a, a poorly, sad, dejected thing who just crawls up in embarrassment and puts in her two mites and then just withers away. And this morning I had a revelation while James was preaching. I was thinking about my message tonight. So that's... that's um, <laughs> sorry, James, I did take notes. And I thought, it was like God said, you've got the wrong idea of this lady. Yes, yeah, she's poor. She's got no money. But that didn't mean she was depressed and unhappy and living a horrible life. And he gave me a picture of a YouTube clip that I watch occasionally and it's a, uh, a black African busking on the street and a, a little girl sort of cautiously comes across, as you see kids do, and puts a couple of coins in and turns around and sort of does that little skip that little you know, kids, girls about this big do, I can't do it because I'm too old. And when you watch it, you go, isn't that just really nice? And that's how I think this lady sort of a bit cautiously walked up and, oh, I've done my bitten. Because she was so happy that she was able to give 
all that she only had what she had. I'm sure her prayer was probably, God, I'd really like to give you a thousand denarios or whatever they had, but I've only got two of these little things, but I'll, I'll give you them. And off she skipped. See, that's life that Jesus brings. The wife might have been the wife. No, the widow. She wouldn't have been a wife if she was a widow, would she? Was poor in material wealth but abundant in life. All these illustrations that I give have something in common. One is love and the second is giving. And I touched on it this morning that God's character is love. God is love. And another attribute, which is I'm sure a part of that attribute, is that he gives. John 14, 6. Gospel of John, chapter 14 and verse 6. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 1. Verses 4 and 5, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Still in John, and going to chapter 8, and verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Within each and every one of us tonight, if we're here and we confess to be Christians, we have the light of life. We have the life to give. John 7. Verse 37 and 38. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What a great statement. If we believe in him, out of our heart flows rivers of living water. Rivers bring life, don't they? The other day when I was putting this together, I went on Google Maps to look at the Jordan River. And from the up north somewhere where the source is, as you follow it down, either side is green. And then further out it gets barren and desert. All the way down until you get to the start of the Dead Sea. And then all around is just de desert, barren, nothing. It's interesting, while it's flowing... It's bringing life to everything around it. As soon as it goes into the Dead Sea, it doesn't go anywhere else. And appropriately, it is called the Dead Sea. <laughs> the Amazon River. I read an article some years ago on a, a, a ship's crew. The ship sank or something. They had, and they're, in a light, they're in life rafts and they had a certain amount of food and water with them and they were out there for a long time. 
and they were very precious with their water. And the article said all they had to do was put their container over the side and drink the water. They were 100 kilometres out to sea. The Amazon River pushes fresh water up to 160 kilometres out into the Atlantic Ocean. Isn't that amazing? That fresh water, that life going so far out. He who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Can I have the music team back up, please? The town of Robe in South Australia is a giving town, not only to each other but to out, sorry, outsiders in need. But I'm not naive enough to think that there wouldn't be some in the town that didn't get on the telly because they would have had an attitude of we're not giving, we're, you know, we're happy doing what we're doing. You can do all that giving stuff. There was a young lady they showed Friday night at the local pub. She was a comedian. She was blind. So her jokes were about her day-to-day experiences of being blind. And so she had a 10-minute, 15-minute something slot on a Friday night at the pub Everyone laughed. Everyone had a great time. See, she made a choice. She could choose to be miserable or she could choose to give what she had, to give to the community. Like the widow in, widow in Luke 21 who had every reason probably not to give her two mites. These ladies gave. Jesus made a choice. Jesus gave of himself that we might have life, but not just life, abundant life. John chapter 10. Verse 17. Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Jesus had the choice of giving himself or not giving himself. The people in Robe, the people in Canoundra, the people of Port City, the people of Gladstone, we all have a choice. Are we going to be like the Amazon, and push God's life out into our community or we're going to be like the Dead Sea where the Jordan who gives, that gives life abundantly until it hits the Dead Sea and goes, no, I'm not going to partake in that. What's your choice at the beginning of 2018? Out of love for God, for each other and for our community, let's give and bring life to our community however we are able. Will you stand with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the giver of life. 
We thank you, Lord, that as we read in your word, that we thank you, Jesus, that you said that you bring, you give life and you give it abundantly. And we thank you that we were part of that. As we believe in you, then we are rivers of living water that we can, we can give to, to each other here. We can give it to our community. I just thank you, Lord, that you would challenge us each this year that whatever we have in our hands, we can give. And I thank you, Lord, for the life that that brings, not only to ourselves but to those others around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, team. love of God. Oh, he chases me down twice till I've found leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending Reckless love of God.
possess me, thou fight till I'm found, leads to 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. 